Hi, and welcome to the Creatives of Habit podcast with me, Claire Gamble. In this episode, I'm speaking to writer, comedian and actor Jane Postlethwaite. Jane's work has been seen at Brighton Fringe, Edinburgh Fringe and the Women in Comedy Festival. Her comedy characters, who are often very quirky and dark, have been heard on BBC Radio 4. Alongside working on numerous projects like her new stand-up show and writing scripts for TV and radio, she runs online comedy workshops for women. I first met Jane when I signed up to one of her comedy courses, which I did as part of my research and writing practice for the novel I'm working on at the moment. It was great fun and I loved Jane's approach to coming up with ideas and material for sketches and shows. In this episode, Jane talks about how she found a love of comedy through an acting course, why she enjoys writing non-stereotypical northern and female characters, how making the writing process fun helps her to get her ideas down on paper, why she thinks it's important to keep a top drawer of ideas, and how she's continually investing in her own skills and development. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for joining me on the podcast, Jane. Um, Just to start with, please could you introduce yourself and what you do? Hi, um, I'm Jane Postlethwaite. I'm a lot of things. So there's a list. Um, a comedy performer, stand-up comedian, writer, uh, soon-to-be podcaster, actor. And I think that's it. Oh, and I design t-shirts as well. <laughs> a long list there. So- oh, and I teach as well. I forgot that one. I teach comedy. Of course, and that's how yeah. I know you. Yes. Um, so how did you start your career? And could you give us a bit of a snapshot about some of your creative projects that you've worked on over the recent years? Yeah, so I started this career um, probably when I was like 29, 30. I had that kind of, oh, no, I'm turning 30. What am I going to do with my life crisis that um, seems really pathetic now? <laughs> 40, when I'm 40, I'm really happy. Um, but I was like, what haven't, what haven't I done with my life? Um, and I was like, I really want to do acting. So when I was 29, 30, I did a, I did a two-week um, acting workshop. I was living in Brighton at the time. And then they invited me to do the diploma, which was for two years. So um, it was a big kind of step because I was working full-time as well. And I needed to work full-time to pay for the diploma. So for two years, I did that Monday to Thursday night and all day Saturday. And I just loved the comedy roles. Um, There was a couple of Northerners on the course and me being one of them. But um, yeah, I just kind of lent into the comedy side of things. Absolutely rubbish at Shakespeare and serious acting. (laughs) Love the comedy stuff. And then when I came out of that little bubble, um they're like oh you're going to be cast as like the willowy northerner because I'm very tall as well um and on paper as an actress actor you're just the same as somebody else um so when I came out of that expecting to like get an agent and all these job offers nothing really came along um so I'd like 32 headshots (laughs) I still have a pile of them um and then for like six months, I just didn't know what to do with myself. And I knew I loved comedy and funny women used to come to Brighton and do the funny women nights. And I used to go to them. And I didn't realize at the time, but I wanted to be on stage like those uh, comedians. And and then I went and did a funny women workshop at Leicester Square and did a couple of them. And on the second one, uh, Lynn Parker, who runs it, actually 
told me to come back later and do my first ever five minutes of stand-up and that day was like pinnacle everything changed it's like a sliding doors moment because when she asked me she was like can you come back at six o'clock and it was like 2 p.m I was like if I don't say yes I'm gonna regret this and this is gonna change my life and it did (laughs) it was one of those really special days I was so nervous and worried and I went and did it. It It's a bit of a blur. It was probably really bad. But after that, they were like, oh, do you want to do a gig in Brighton for Funny Women? And it just kind of ricocheted from there. And being in control of what I'm saying, what I'm writing, how I'm performing was a real buzz for me. And then I went um, the year after, I did some uh, Brighton Fringe plays, little 10-minute plays doing comedy, but I found it really hard to be directed by someone who wasn't a comedian <laughs> I was like this could be funnier um but I really enjoyed that and then yeah just kind of fell into doing characters next really enjoyed that and um yeah doing taking my shows to Edinburgh and Brighton Fringe really really enjoyed it and then I kind of came to a crossroads where I was like I hate my day job in Brighton but if I don't have it I don't know how I'm going to live here but it got to the point where it's so toxic and bad um so I moved back up north and I started doing a couple of workshops because I really loved teaching people how to write I kind of invented the workshops I wish were around when I started out and I was like oh this will be a way I can make money and not have to have a horrible office job so yeah that kind of gets us to here <laughs> amazing and so just thinking about um your shows that you've written and your characters mm. um I mean you sort of mentioned about um not wanting to be cast for certain roles so have you always approached your own writing in terms of creating characters and shows that you are your kind of like dream shows sort of writing the parts for you to then act yeah so um what actually happened is when I was doing stand-up I went through a really bad breakup and I took kind of six months off and then I was like I don't know how I'm going to do stand-up because you have to talk about your life and it wasn't it was very depressing (laughs) so I was like what is the middle ground and I was like okay acting stand-up characters are the middle ground so I took my stand-up um, jokes that I knew that worked and, and divided them into these characters and I wanted the characters to be um, like non-stereotypical um, northern and women you know characters um, and like you say yeah characters that I might not have been cast as but I would love to play so they were all had like faults and Um, darkness to them (laughs) and it was really great again with the control thing that I could write them and perform them and no one was telling me what to do it was great so yes I always say that to people write the roles that you would want to play because comedy is a quicker way into the industry than waiting around as an actor waiting for the phone to ring and it shows like agents and producers and things that you're proactive so I'm constantly doing that like how if an industry person was looking at my social media, what would they think, you know, am I doing enough here? Or can, can I demonstrate that I'm doing my own projects and I'm very driven? 
And could you give us a bit of an insight into the sort of characters that you've had in your shows? Because like you say, from what I've heard you describe how you've described them in the past, they are quite, they're very sort of quirky. Um, and there's always seems to be quite a dark element as well, um, which is quite fun. So if you've got any, who's your favourite characters that you've written? So the sh- character shows were made in Cumbria and the house. So if anyone wants to know a bit more, they can go on my website and have a look. But um, Made in Cumbria was the show I did for like two years and took to Edinburgh. I did Brighton Fringe two years in Edinburgh. Uh, and then for the house, I adapted some of the characters for the show after. Um, so Joy Hope was the one that was most successful. So Joy Hope was the one that was like super successful for me. She was the most fun because she was just dark and rude to the audience. And for some reason, people loved it. And she's the character that got me through to the Funny Women finals, the competition. And I think two other um, competitions I got to the finals with her. Um, So it was just really fun to play because I just didn't have to be happy because I'm not naturally a happy person. (laughs) So I could be kind of myself, but be darker and rude and get away with it. Um, And then the other characters were like... Yeah, she was a children's author who hated children, which I thought was quite funny, Um, and just hated being there. Like The room was like the book launch, and she had to pitch these new kids' books, which were all really dark. And then the other characters were like uh, children's... uh, Not children. So the other characters were uh, an astronaut. So it was um, first female northern uh, astronaut. It was like a list because I just found that people were putting labels on anything that a woman does. Um, and it was the same when I was doing stand-up. So her character was like, a, we did on stage like a voiceover thing where she was answering questions. And I used a lot of questions that people asked me when I was doing stand-up, like, when are you going to find time to go on a date? Or when are you going to settle down? Are you going to have kids? So you better get on with it, all these kind of things. So that was really cathartic. And then... As a survival expert who was like super, super confident. She was nice to play. And then Kirsty Bird was my very scared falconer who was scared of birds. That took a lot of energy because she's so nervous and it takes more energy than just being nasty to people. Yeah. I love that. And so would you do all those characters within the same show then? So that was all the yeah. Made in Cumbria one. So the it, Made in Cumbria was the audience were on a coach trip in Cumbria and they were meeting all the different people. And then while I, while I was getting changed into costumes, a radio show would come on, Radio Cumbria. And then Carol Sparks was the presenter. That, so that was like another character. And she'd be commenting on different things that tied up the characters. Like, has a falcon gone missing? Oh, we're sending our first female northern astronaut into space. Um, yeah. And then the house one was a murder mystery set in a Lake District house. So how do you come up with your own ideas? Are you inspired by people you know or sort of things that happen to yourself? Or where do they sort of characters, where do they come from and how do you bring them to life? Uh, Yeah, so I love weird professions and weird hobbies. Um, So the Made in Cumbria crew kind of didn't have that weird hobbies, but I'm just really interested in people's occupations and then also what they do in their free time. So um, I like to play with that. And then I like to play with, um, you know, how is this, how does this, person spend a day 
And then what dark secrets could they have? And what is their intention of being in front of these people? And what's going on behind the scenes? What's the subtext? That's what annoys me about people like, oh, I'm going to put on a northern accent and try and be and just be funny and talk about pies and wear a, a flat cap and have a whip it. Like it really annoys me. You got to layer your character. So I was like, what's the story? What's going underneath? What are their hopes and dreams? So I have a big mi- mishmash of all of that, and I'll write a list of like a hundred weird hobbies, a hundred weird professions, um, some dark secrets, and then. Yeah, the subtext of things, what are the hopes and dreams of this character, and then kind of mismatch them. Amazing. Yeah. And so and with your process, um, sort of from the comedy course that I've been doing with you, it's what I really loved about it is it's like get big paper and like proper mind maps and colored pens, and it's got, it makes it really fun and playful, I think. Is that really important as part of your process when you're writing? Oh, definitely. And when I started out, I used to sit at a computer like you see all those authors on TV shows or like Murder, She Wrote, and it's like, ding, 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 chapter one. And then it's like a montage and then the end. And they've wrote a whole book from start to finish. So I used to just sit on my computer and be like, why can't I write a joke? And it took years of um, testing things. And it's on, I think the pandemic made me realize um, there's an easier way to write in as an easier approach, which I'd never really thought about because I was doing a lot of improvising and messing around on TikTok. And for characters, I can come up with material super quick because I'm improvising. And then stand up seems, well, it used to be a lot harder. And I was like, why don't I apply the same principles of writing characters to stand up? So I'll improvise a lot of my stand up and then write it down, which seems really simple. And the other breakthrough I had like last year was, oh, writing is just thinking. <laughs> just whatever you're thinking, just write it down. For some reason, we think there's some like magic way of like writing and it's not really like that. And I always tell people as well, yeah, use, make it really fun, get the snacks in, get the colored felt tips, post-it notes, like make it really messy and something you can feel and, you know, feel the weight of. That's why I always get people to buy the massive a3 notebooks um, and then you feel like you're doing something because a lot of time if you're on your computer it doesn't feel like you've done work even if you've done pages and pages um so yeah and also you know go with have a period tracker or you know track your moods or know when you can have a long weekend so <laughs> like be easy on yourself so uh like if i'm ovulating or a few days from a period I'm an absolute mess (laughs) but then I can get there's like windows of time where I can channel that energy that PMT into getting shit done (laughs) there's a lot to be said for that isn't there and I think just realizing how your cycle impacts your mood and your energy and your kind of ability I guess also to sort of think in slightly different ways as well so I guess it's being kind on yourself yeah Um, because I know one thing um, on the course that you said, which I really like, is that whole sort of not being too hard on yourself. Because if you've committed to be, like in your case, sort of a writer and comedian, you know you want to do that until, you know, you're super, super old. And I think when you put it that way as well, you're like, you've got hopefully decades of doing what it is that you really enjoy. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if you have like a slower day or a quieter mm. day or if you're not as productive some days compared to yeah. others. 
Yeah, I decided I was going to do comedy till I die. Like when I, <laughs> that was a few years ago, I was like, I'm going to do this till the day I die. So let's not rush things. And like every year, um, I've kind of been taking it seriously since 2014, 2015. And so I do like characters for a few years and then I did a more intense performance art typey show and then I did a sketch comedy show with a partner and then I was kind of making a return to stand up um so yeah so each year I'll do something and push myself on like what am I lacking in skills oh I need to work on writing a script how do I do that I think pandemic was good for me to be like where am I short on skills so getting things like final draft and then watching lots of YouTube videos on formatting scripts or, you know, at the moment I'm trying to dip my toe back into the acting side of things. So watching lots of videos on acting processes, which is quite fun. Um, so yes, it's a constant, I just see it as like a stealth <laughs> kind of steady comedy career and just little steps forward. Um, Being really committed in continuing your own sort of development and always looking yeah. to improve um do you find kind of I think maybe when when you're just starting out in your writing career there's maybe the thought that well if you do one thing then surely it must be easier for the next project but do you find it works like that or are you continuously looking at how you can learn more or write different or write better or always self-improving whatever it is you know I read a lot of self-help books you probably notice from doing my workshops as well. I focus on a lot of how people are feeling. Yeah. Because people beat themselves up. They're like, I haven't done my homework. I haven't done this. I'm like, well, I'm just not feeling it this week. And when you're ready, you'll go back to it. You've got all the notes. You've done the groundwork. So I do a lot of self-help. And then I do a lot of um, reading about comedy and acting and performing and things like that. Just constant. Because if you stop... <laughs> like you're going to get stuck. So I'm just keep going. And, um, and I make a lot of um, not mood boards, vision boards where I write down what I want to achieve, like a radio four show or a TV script, whatever it is, you know, the new podcast working on it, it just all goes down on the spider diagram. And then I just tweak it. I think, I don't know if I told you in 2020, before the pandemic, I did like a 20 year life plan in five year increments. So um, yeah, that kind of got stalled, but I do, I have big hopes and dreams and I know where I want to head. And then I kind of work my way backwards. Um, just going back to the books, have you got any particular favorites? Cause I know there's a few on the reading list, which I was like, yeah, I love yeah. that book. That's really good. So um for women's kind of ebbs and flows, I recommend Wild Power. And Lamet Bird by Bird is great because it's all about doing things piece by piece. Logan Murray has got a fantastic how to write stand-up book. Chris Head has got a really good book about directing comedy. There's a Late Night, How to Write for Late Night. That was really useful for just writing jokes. Um, it's quite interesting. A lot of books are written by men. Um, so it's quite a formulaic uh, way of explaining things. I think down the line, it'd be lovely to write a book that's kind of nurturing and 
that, but that's a little bit way off for me. <laughs> um, uh, I laughed, I cried, Viv Grostrop. She did 100 stand-up gigs in 100 days. And I remember when I was dipping my toe into stand-up, I read that and I was really, really inspired. She, she took comedy up when she was 40. Um, yeah, and did 100 gigs in 100 days. If you haven't got that book, have a look at that. Um, uh, the big one I'm always banging on about is Save the Cat by Blake Schneider. Um, and that's all about uh, screenplays and mapping out story arcs and all of that. And I've applied that to a one-person show as well, all the beats and things. So I kind of push that on people because I think it's really useful to know what a successful um screenplay or story arc looks like it's a lot of people just to kind of like oh I'll just do this and then I'll do this and do that but audience love a certain way of that we like rhythm and we like patterns and things so I just watched the new Jurassic Park and I was like oh this is so satisfying there was like three stories going on. I don't, have you seen it? I've not seen it. No, I know probably wait. So don't worry about spoilers. Oh, okay. So there's like ABC stories going on. It all came together at the right point. It was just really satisfying to watch, and knowing what I know from Save the Cat, I was like, oh, that's so good. And the image really used reflects back to the first ever film, and the the cast were like from the first ever episode. Um, from the first ever Jurassic Park, it was just really satisfying. You get to know what makes a good film and a bad film. It ruins films for you. It's like when if you ever learn how to make clothes, every time you go to buy clothes, you're like, oh, I could make that. <laughs> or I know that stitching is like cheap. Um, so you really appreciate good quality tailoring. Like you appreciate good TV or good radio or a good one hour show. Yeah, definitely. Have you found that um, sort of through developing your courses, so your comedy writing courses, has that helped you kind of reflect and refine your own process? Have you found it useful in that way? Yeah, it does. It Teaching, I switched in the pandemic as well to just teaching women because um, I just found that just a little bit easier. And again, it's more um, satisfying for me. And every time I teach, it reminds me, oh, yeah, I could do that for my project. In running the one woman show masterclass is really great because it re reminds me of things for my show to do. And I get really excited again, <laughs> like designing posters and playlists. I'm like, oh, this is really great. Um, so, yeah, it does. Great. And what's your perfect creative day like if you if there was to be such a thing in the world of Jane? Um, so the perfect day would be, um, I think if I had to be anywhere having a perfect career, it would be L.A. So let's just say I wake up in L.A., it's really sunny. Um, I get to sit out on a nice balcony, plan my day, maybe do meditation, um, probably it sounds really wanky like work out even though I don't work out just like a nice hike or walk enjoy walking and then thinking about creative ideas because I always say to people thinking is still writing and then um yeah sitting down and 
I enjoy working with other people as well. So some kind of like mini writer's room would be cool. Yeah, working on a project with other people. I'm kind of intrigued by um, TV scripts and things at the moment. So that would be cool to work on something. I want to write and perform as well. So uh, creative day would be maybe writing and acting. Yeah. So big dreams of like LA life, (laughs) basically. That's mine as well. I think it's just because I'm like, I want to be somewhere sunny where it's not very August. And I went a few years ago and to be around people doing things like everyone in LA is working on something and project. And that for me is really great and exciting and the history of it as well. It's quite nice what you say about like working and writing with other people as well, because writing is quite often such a solo thing to do. Mm. Um, And I don't know how, how you describe yourself, but like I'm a bit of an ambivert. So both an extrovert and an introvert, like I need time on my own and I enjoy like doing my own projects, but actually sometimes I do find just writing quite lonely and I do really like to sort of bounce ideas and I get energized by the people and you get quite creative together um how does that sort of fit in with your sort of personality and writing is so lonely um I remember like my first Edinburgh was really exciting because I was working on Anna Morris who's a character comedian show and she helped direct my show for Edinburgh and I was doing my show and then I'd run over and do her show and she introduced me to people and was like really generous with her time and contacts and things. And then the second year I did Edinburgh, it was just me. And I remember just thinking, this is really lonely that you do a show and then you're done. And then I don't know, it just felt a bit. And then when I did a sketch show uh, a few years ago for Brighton Fringe, I really enjoyed that because there was someone else at the end of the night to like talk about the show with, but yeah, it's, it's quite a lonely process. Um, And I have, I, I have a group of women that I can run things past. I have um, my friend Katie, who I write stand-up with. I have another friend in America who um, he's got like 1.2 million followers on TikTok and he's a really good friend. So I've wrote scripts for his channel and he like helps me with um, inspiration and things like that. So when I'm feeling a bit lonely, I'm like, oh, I need to run this past somebody or, um, yeah, talk about it with other people. Yeah, that's come up um, with a lot of other writers that I've spoken to as well, that having that support network and people just to run stuff by is really helpful, isn't it? Yeah. And that's why I like doing the masterclass as well, because throughout the weeks you can share things on and then the final week is you sharing your idea and then getting feedback and that's quite rare for a one-hour show um so yeah I enjoy doing that so what are you working on at the moment and how's that process going for you so I was supposed to do um I suppose just split an hour in 2020 of stand-up because I was making a return to stand-up gone full circle uh from character sketch back to stand-up um and that got cancelled in 2020 and then 2021 got cancelled again and then earlier this year when we were supposed to do it again it didn't feel quite right I think I just moved on as a performer and to be honest I've wrote the whole I wrote a new one hour or a structured one out and then half of a second show as well so I'm working on two 
uh, one hour shows that potentially will follow each other, uh, but also a tight half hour to maybe do at festivals next year. Um, I'm working on a podcast called All the Terrible Things with my friend in America who I mentioned, the TikTok star. And that's going to be about like paranormal stuff and weird things, which I absolutely love. But that's taken two years. We're still planning it out and working on structures and things like that. Um, I, I always tell people like have a top drawer of ideas. So I'm constantly thinking of TV scripts or radio plays, um, little 10 minute films, things like that. So again, I mentioned earlier about people with weird hobbies and weird careers. I'm kind of at the moment working on something around that. I don't want to give too much away. Um, yeah, so I'm doing, doing lots of little things. Yeah, acting, trying to like dip my toes back into the acting world. And yeah, playing around on TikTok as well. <laughs> so I love that tip about having like a top drawer full of ideas have you got any other sort of favorite pieces of advice to give any writers, whether they're on your course or if you meet people out and about and they're sort of, whether it's writing comedy or anything else, what, what are the snippets of wisdom would you share? There's tell people to write for themselves, like write what you would want to read, you know, make what you want to see in the world because you won't please everyone ever. So you might as well please a select number of people and stay true to, what you enjoy doing um, and that's what I try and do so you know even with an example for TikTok um, I was doing some characters and then I got to a point I was like mm, I'm not really into this anymore so I like private them all and did something else <laughs> um, so I play around with things and try them yeah don't be afraid to change your mind on the project don't be afraid to say no to things you don't have to do everything uh, you don't have to do everything at once. Pick the things that bring you joy. Um, don't overstretch yourself. Just be really gentle because we can beat ourselves up if we haven't done our three pages a day or wrote 20 jokes a day. And it just, it doesn't work like that. I myself, if I read something, it's like, you have got to do this every day. I'll rebel and not do it. <laughs> so yeah, go at your own pace, write the things you enjoy to write and read and be immersed in. Um, always do things that are going to push you forward and build your skills. Yeah, don't be afraid to change change your goals and dreams every few months. Because I thought, oh, I'm stuck doing this or I'm stuck doing that. And then I was like, I don't have to do this. I could just delete that off the face of the internet and it's gone <laughs> yeah I guess sometimes is there like a fear that if you've so far down a project you feel like it might be wasted but I guess nothing that's ever really wasted everything helps develop as a yeah every, everything does help and um during the lockdown as well I was trying to do a another podcast called the character building podcast where in 2019 I got a group of women together to do um, characters and sketches that they'd done and uh, record them and I directed them um, and I started editing and then the pandemic hit and it just wasn't top of my list you know I lost like 10 months of 
income in 24 hours. So my priority, unfortunately, wasn't to do that. And I felt so bad for ages, like I'm letting these people down. And after a while, I was like, everything is delayed. Everybody's career is delayed, especially comedians and writers. Like, we've lost two years. <laughs> um, and that it's okay, like, not to, because we were all going so fast and then kind of had to really slow down. But I've learned so much from that two years. And I'm a completely different person and have different needs and wants than I did in 2020. And I think a lot of people are like that. It's kind of reframed what we want in life and how we live our lives yeah definitely it's definitely changed priorities I think hasn't it and what people want yeah um amazing thank you so much um is there anything else you'd like to add before we say goodbye just that if you're thinking of starting writing comedy it's never too late um check out my online women's workshops if you're interested they're very nurturing and supportive um there's different levels of things um I also run a nice organic ethical t-shirt company for uh, writers and comedians in the LGBTQ community so check that out that's so hilarious.com <laughs> brilliant and where can people go to see you and also your courses online um so writesomecomedy.com is the comedy workshop website and then my website is janepostlethwaite.com or Jane Possible Comedy, you'll find me. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Creatives of Habit. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe or leave a review. You can also sign up to my Substack newsletter, Creatives of Habit by Claire Gamble.